We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And because it's almost summer, that means you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. My personal favorites are the Holbrooks, just a clean, classic look. Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and do your research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands and can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Happy Friday. It is Friday. We're going to make it a fun Friday. We're going to talk some Lakers trades today. We're going to talk free agency for just a bit. So thank you guys for joining me here. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Plenty to talk about here to kick off what should be a fun weekend, I think. As soon as the NBA finals end, by the way, um, which we could get a step closer towards tonight, depending on what Denver and Miami do. I would like to see a seven-game series because more basketball tends to be a good thing. But as soon as the finals end, man, we're going to start getting all kinds of rumors on what's going to happen on draft night, which is coming up June 22nd, on free agency, which kicks off June 30th, about halfway through the day. Lots of stuff for us to dive into. And this is going to be a busy, busy summer, as always, for the Los Angeles Lakers. And we'll talk a little bit about D'Angelo Russell's sign-and-trade situations on this show because it just seems to keep popping up. And it's not just fans. It's not just fans. Jake Fisher from Yahoo in his piece today mentioned that it's well known that the Lakers are trying to explore multiple options with sign and trades for D'Angelo Russell and seeing what they can get for him and all of that. So we'll talk a little bit about what that could look like for the Lakers. We'll talk about, of course, the Chris Paul situation, everything else you guys want to get into. So thank you again for joining here live on the show. If you are not a subscriber on the YouTube channel just yet, please make sure you do subscribe, turn on those notifications. Uh, great way to stay in the know. We're going to keep you up to date with everything going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers all the way up through free agency 
and beyond. So there's a lot of stuff going on this summer. We're going to be keeping you as up to date as we possibly can. And then, of course, over on the podcast side, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, make sure you are following the show there as well. And we do appreciate that five-star rating and review. All right. A lot of comments coming in already. A lot of people talking Lakers. Let's start right here. Let's start with Syed, who says, would love Jalen McDaniels on this team. Yeah, so one of the things that I want to get into on this show is just kind of taking a look at free agency in general. See, I did my, uh, over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, I did my ideal offseason. I did one of them. There's going to be more. In fact, I'm working on a very trade-heavy one. This one was kind of a run-it-back version. But one of the things that you notice when you start to really dig into how you're going to build out a team is how difficult it is to find guys in free agency. This is not a very deep free agent class. And Jalen McDaniels is an interesting fit. He's long, lanky, can play the wing position, shot 40% as a 76er from three. He's like a 34% shooter um, for his career from deep. But he's the type of guy that you like to target on the wing. And he didn't really click in Philly. And so maybe that will allow you to get him a little bit cheaper than you would otherwise. So I don't mind him as a target at all. I think he'd be a really interesting fit uh, for the Lakers if you could go get him. But uh, again, everybody's always after wings. So it's not necessarily going to be something that's easy uh, to do, but he could be there uh, for the Lakers to go pick up as a wing target. So not a bad idea, I think, to go after him. Kevin Smith says, hey, Trev, a name I haven't heard a lot, but I thought would help is Kevin Love, can stretch the floor and is a bigger body, perfect besides AD. Thoughts? So Kevin Love, look, if you're looking at a veteran minimum guy, sure, in terms of you could do worse. Problem is he'll be 35 at the start of next season. Right, He's 34 right now. He'll be 35 at the start of next season. Um, clearly, the best days of his career are gone. Uh, with Miami, he shot 39% from the field and 30% from three. That's not that's not good. That, that's, not, that's not great at all. He shot 35% from three with the Cavs, but the three-point shooting seems to have really fallen off a bit. 33% from three this season overall in total. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. So look, if you want to bring him in and say he's going to be a veteran presence for us off the bench, Okay, I, I can buy that. But if you're bringing him in thinking this is our solution next to Anthony Davis, I think you're going a bit too far. Now, if we're talking five years ago, absolutely. Absolutely. You bring him in, you probably have to pay a lot to get him. But at 35 years old, this might just be it. This might just be it. And look, he's had his moments in the postseason. I'm not saying he's done, done. But in terms of a night in, night out, plug this guy in and play him, I think those days are probably behind him. So again, if you want to make him your 13th man, your 12th man, something like that, sure. Yeah, I could I could get on board with that. And we're going to plug him in every, every couple of games. He's going to get in there and he's going to hit some shots for us. He's going to give us some floor spacing. But if you want him to be the answer next to Anthony Davis, I just don't think that's what he is anymore. Uh, another one, Syed said, Markeith Morris is another cheap wing option. Yeah, it's it's similar to the Kevin Love 
situation though, right? Where you've got an older player. Uh, Markeith is now 33. He'll be 34 at the start of next season. And he hasn't really produced much. And this is this is something that not just Lakers fans tend to do, but we tend to romanticize these guys who were good for us. And it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But in sports years, it was a long time ago. We do the same thing with Dwight Howard. Can't tell you how many people I get telling me, oh, they should bring Dwight Howard back. Is Dwight Howard an NBA player anymore? I don't know. Maybe he is. He's definitely not the guy he was in 2020. Maybe he's a guy you could plug in every now and then. But he's not your backup five like he was in 2020. That was a few years ago now. It's 2023. He was old in 2020. Same thing was true of Markeith Morris. He was starting to slow down a bit in 2020 when they won the championship. And look, he was he was a big help to that team. I liked what he did. I liked his versatility. But you look, and Markeith Morris, he's a play, he played in eight games for Dallas. He played in 27 games for Brooklyn. Averaged 3.6 points. They shot well enough. Shot plenty well. In fact, on the, the season, he's shooting 39% from three. You'll take that. But I don't know what he really has left in the tank if you're looking for a every night player. I don't think he's an every night player anymore. That's the issue. That's the issue. I think the Lakers this year, this team, and I talked about this a little bit on the podcast uh, that I recorded last night, uh, went out early this morning. I think this Lakers team is going to have to have depth. I think looking at the Western Conference and understanding that LeBron's not going to play every game, AD's not going to play every game. If you wind up getting Chris Paul, he's not going to play every game. You need to have depth on this roster. You can't have a lot of roster spots taken up by guys where you don't know how available they're going to be. So Kevin Love, Markeith Morris, look, not bad, not terrible, but I'd prefer to see younger guys where I know this guy's got some spring in his step. This guy's got some juice left. I'd rather have those guys, even if they're not nearly as big a names as Markeith Moore, certainly not as big of a name as Kevin Love. Their best days are behind them. And I think we saw what happens when you rely too much on those older players. We saw that a couple of seasons ago and it was not pretty. So I'm going to be a little bit wary of going after guys like that. Dwight Howard included as well. And then Syed adds in, what do we do with Shaq and Wenyan? I'd cut them. So, I, I would imagine there's a chance neither one comes back. If one of them was going to, it's probably Wenyan, who at least is a pretty good small ball five, fairly switchy on the perimeter. He's a hustle guy. He's an energy guy. I wish the three-point shot would develop a little bit for him, but maybe that's asking too much. Um, I would guess that, you know, that if one's going to come back, it's Wenyan, and there's a chance that neither one of them do. There's a chance neither one of them come back to the Lakers, but... Both of these guys, we're talking about minimums here for them. And if for some reason it's more than that for either one of them, you're not you're not going there. You're not going there. So as a look, would I hate to see Wenyan back on a minimum? No, of course not. I like Wenyan a lot, but I think that just is what he is. What he is, he's a minimum role player. And if the price tag is higher than that, okay, somebody else can get him. All right, we got a trade question here. I love it. I love it. I've got trades on my mind right now, folks. I've got trades on my mind. Maybe it's just the Denver OKC trade, the appetizer, really, that's got me thinking trades, right? Den Denver's in the finals, and they pulled a trade. 
Like, who does that? Who does that? But they pulled it off. They got uh, three picks, two second rounders, and a late first in exchange for a future first. Still don't know the protections on that future first. 2029 first in a deal with OKC. I don't hate that deal for Denver. If I'm the Lakers, I'm not making that deal because you only have so many future firsts that you can move. But but um, it's the appetizer for what could be coming. Like this draft, it feels like aside from number one, like every pick is available. Every pick could be teams are looking to move back. Teams are looking to move up. Teams are looking to move out of the draft. All kinds of stuff. I think we could be in store for a pretty crazy draft night. Now, Sometimes you get all this buzz and it doesn't end up amounting to anything, but you just look at the current status of the NBA. You look at the teams and I think there could be some fireworks. All right. Davion Nelson said 17, 47, Mo. Oh, and Max, Max Christie too. So both your picks, your first, your second, Mo Bamba. So you're guaranteeing his contract. Max Christie, who remember the Lakers, gave up a future second and cash in order to get Max Christie in the draft last year for Cam Thomas, who I like Cam Thomas. I like him a lot. He's a microwave scorer and Nick Claxton. Whew. That is quite a trade. That is quite a trade. I like Nick Claxton. Let me pull up those, those salaries real quick, just to get a sense of where they're at. Cause I don't recall Nick Claxton's contract off the top of my head. Oh, he's only under contract for $8.8 million next season. Cam Thomas is on a rookie deal. He's under team control for two more seasons after this one with team options. This value, this deal is fine value-wise, I think. Cam Thomas, again, could be your microwave scorer off the bench. Nick Claxton could be either your backup five or a five you potentially play alongside AD. I thought he had a nice breakout season this year. Nine boards, 13 points, two and a half blocks. Man, I think I do it. I think I do it. It's tough. It's tough because of Max Christie. I'm looking at him as a first rounder. I think if the if he's in this year's draft, he's probably a first round pick. Um, I think he's good enough to be that. So I'm really looking at this as you're giving up 17 plus another guy who's probably would be like a late first in this draft. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have as much left on his contract as a typical first rounder would. Uh, but, and then Mo, if you're guaranteeing that $10.3 I don't think he's got a lot of value on that deal, but he's an expiring contract, plus throwing in 47. I don't really want to punt. This is the hard part. I don't want to punt on this draft. I want to get pieces from this draft. But I've been saying all along that in order to move 17, I would need starters. And Nick Claxton is a good, young, big, could be a starter next to AD for a long time. You could have a lot of length out there with those two together on the floor. Sure, you're missing some shooting, but it's interesting. And then you've got another big rim protector or lanky rim protector when AD is out as well to be out there on the floor. It hurts, but it's something that I have to consider. You'd have to really consider that deal and maybe do it. Um, I'm curious to see what the chat thinks. Let me scroll down here. A lot of people saying don't trade Max. Don't trade Max. And a lot of people are saying no way the Nets would do that. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think the Nets probably do not do that. Um, but I'd have a tough time with that too. 
so like Bory has the comment here. I hate delusional fans. Max Christie is a G League player at best. At best? What did you see from him this year that, that said this is a G League player at best? Look, he's not an all-star. If you're expecting him to be an all-star, a superstar, something like that, you're setting the bar way too high. What he is, what his skill set is, is a perfect fit with what the Lakers and what a lot of teams need, and that's a 3 and D wing player. He also has the ability to create a shot, not at a high level, but he's super young. He just turned 20, right? This is a kid who I think has some upside, has some potential, and has a very clear skill set that is a very, very in-demand fit around the NBA. It's part of why the Lakers moved up in order to get Max Christie. So I am high on Max Christie. I think he's going to be a rotation piece moving forward. I think he could be a rotation piece as early as this next season for the Lakers. I'm not thinking he's a superstar. I'm not thinking he's an all-star. I'm not thinking he is your centerpiece or anything like that. But I think he has a very real, very real skill set where if he just continues on his current trajectory, he's going to be a valuable rotation player in today's NBA and one that specifically the Lakers could really use. So I like Max Christie. I don't see in his game anything that screams G League player at best as in the guy can barely play with, say, the South Bay Lakers or something like that. No, I think he's too good defensively to be considered just a G League player. And then you look at what he can do shooting, look at his shooting stroke. I think he's going to be a very interesting player for the Lakers moving forward. And I would be loath to give him up uh, unless it's the right deal. Unless it's the right deal. Uh, question comes in. Ritual King said, if Charlotte drafts Scoot, can we trade for Melo? So LaMelo Ball, no, they're not going to move him. They're not going to move him. Besides, the Lakers don't have the assets unless you want to start talking, hey, we're going to move off of Anthony Davis. And then even then, does Charlotte want him? Does it have to become a three-team deal? And it, it gets messy. But no, I don't see Charlotte saying, you know, we're going to take Scoot and just move LaMelo Ball. I don't see that, that happening. Uh, Kale said, could we three-team trade LeBron to the Mavs? I don't think the Lakers will want to do that, but let's see. Mavs send picks. They don't have many of those to send to the Rockets. Rockets send Lakers Jalen Green. The Mavs don't have the picks to get Jalen Green from the Rockets. That's the problem. The Mavs don't have the picks to get Jalen Green from the Rockets, so the Rockets aren't going to send Jalen Green to the Lakers. And then if I'm the Lakers, I don't think Green is good enough, frankly. I think he's been, he's good. He's talented. He's got plenty of upside. But if I'm the Lakers and I can have LeBron for another year, maybe two, maybe win a championship, if you get Jalen Green, championship window's closed. You're not winning a championship this year. And so I'm not doing that. Unless I decide I'm going full rebuild, LeBron's gone, AD's gone, let's, let's open up the trade calls and we're getting rid of these guys. That's a different story. I don't think that's the path they're going to go down, though. In that scenario, then Jalen Green has some value, right? Young player, you know, in a few years, maybe he's going to be a real winning piece. But right now, I'm not making that move. Julian Rojas. D'Lo played really good for the Lakers. Wow. That's right. Normally, I get these questions and it's just, D'Lo is terrible. We have to get rid of him. Oh, my gosh, we can't stand this guy. All of that. He says, aside from the Western Conference Finals, I enjoyed seeing him back in L.A. He has great court vision and can get hot. Game four against Memphis. We don't win without his three straight threes. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's important to recognize that D'Angelo Russell messed up in the Western Conference Finals. It was not good. It was not. It was awful. 
from D'Lo in the Western Finals. And you can't just ignore that. You can't just say, well, it's only four games, whatever, forget about it. No, it matters. It was the, the biggest games of the season. The, the lights are at their brightest. And D'Angelo Russell shrunk away, right? Disappeared. And that's not what you want to see. That's definitely not what you want to see. But you also can't look at those four games and just go, oh, that's it. D'Lo's trash. That's 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 what D'Lo is. And there's too many people that jump to that, that conclusion, that what you saw most recently out of D'Angelo Russell is what he is as a player. As though we assume that the previous what post-trade deadline stretch with the Lakers just didn't happen. That the last few years of NBA basketball for him didn't happen. That him being a good NBA player just never happened. And that the only thing we need to evaluate him on is those four games. And based on those four games, he was so awful, you have to get rid of him. Because that is definitively what he is. And I just don't, I can't get behind that. I can't. D'Angelo Russell is not what he was during those four games. That doesn't mean, though, you can just sweep those under the rug. That doesn't mean you can't factor that into the decision. Because is there a chance that D'Angelo Russell is just not a playoff performer? Yeah. And it's something you have to consider if you're the Lakers. It's come up often enough to where you got to wonder, is this a guy we can count on in the postseason? We know he's a guy that can get you to the postseason, though, can help you get there. We know he's better than what he saw in the Western Conference Finals. He shot better than 40% from three, more than six assists per game, more than 17 points per game for the Lakers. You don't put up those numbers if you're awful, if you're trash. It's a terrible player. So the Lakers are in an interesting spot with D'Lo. Again, we've heard that they're going to explore signing trade options with him. And it makes sense. If you're worried that when the lights are at their brightest, you're not going to be able to count on D'Angelo Russell, yeah, you're going to look at trade options. But you're not just giving him away. This isn't addition by subtraction. This isn't, oh, thank goodness, D'Lo's gone. Get rid of this guy. No. He's good. And his skill set is a wonderful fit on the offensive end for the Lakers. Defensively, okay, not so much. But offensively, yeah, he's a great fit for the Lakers. So the key is getting something for D'Angelo Russell. And here, let's let's get into the Chris Paul thing, because this matters, too, when we talk about D'Lo. Uh, Charles Scott said, talk about how Chris Paul could keep AD engaged the entire game. All right, I'm going to get to that. But Jake Fisher brought up an idea in his piece for Yahoo today. And I think this was, it was more from the Phoenix side of things. Because I don't see the appeal for the Lakers. But he suggested trading D'Angelo Russell for Chris Paul. So Chris Paul, I believe the Suns met with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul was told, we're probably going to waive you. And so he went to Chris Haynes, said, hey, this is what they're going to do. I'm going to be a free agent because he wants teams to know. He's going to be a free agent. He wants teams to be able to prepare to chase him. And then the Suns tried to walk it back. And that's where Shams and Woj came in after the Haynes report. And so you've got the Suns trying to walk it back because they're saying, you know what? Hey, a trade could fall in our lap. We don't have to waive him until the 28th. And the difference is the same. It doesn't matter if we waive him today, we waive him on the 28th. It doesn't change anything for us. For Chris Paul, it does. He wants to be a free agent as long as possible. He doesn't want it to be last minute so that teams can prepare accordingly. But for the Suns, you might as well wait until the last minute. Because who knows? Maybe on the 27th, 
a trade falls in your lap where Chris Paul's salary is super useful. And if you waive him now, oh, you can't go, you can't undo it. Whoops. Now we don't have that salary to use in a trade. Now, that's not super likely because Chris Paul's salary, it's going to count for the Suns at 15 million. It'll count for another team at 30. That's hard to make up that gap. Not impossible, but hard to make a trade legal. You have to add multiple pieces in order to make that work. But nonetheless, Chris Paul for D'Angelo Russell. So a sign and trade of D'Lo to his good friend Devin Booker's team, the Phoenix Suns, in exchange for Chris Paul. If you're the Lakers, you're getting Chris Paul on a $30 million contract. That's a lot. I don't want to pay Chris Paul $30 million. But, but, his deal's not guaranteed next year. So if you're worried about losing the cap slot, losing the purchasing power that that $30 million that D'Lo is getting this year would represent moving forward, a $30 million expiring contract, what can you do with that? That's a way to preserve it, right? And again, Chris Paul isn't guaranteed after this year. So if you're looking at it from the Lakers perspective and you're saying, well, we don't believe in D'Lo that much and we don't want to be the team to give him a three-year deal or a four-year deal. We don't want that to be us. We want to keep our books more clean. And I think this is something the Lakers are going to have to really consider when we're looking at LeBron can opt out in 2024, AD can opt out in 2024. How determined are the Lakers to keep their books as clean as possible post-2024 so they can pivot quickly if need be? That's going to be something to keep an eye on this summer. But if you decide you don't want to be the team to pay D'Lo long-term and you're worried about maybe getting stuck with a bad contract, if you give him what he wants, then going and getting Chris Paul, even at $30 million, could be beneficial because you preserve a $30 million expiring contract and you're filling the role of D'Angelo Russell. Now, D'Lo is much younger than Chris Paul. It's like 10 years younger, um, over 10 years younger. I, I think D'Lo is probably the better player at this point, but it's debatable. It's debatable who's the better player. Um, LeBron maybe is more interested in, in coming back to play, of course, if Chris Paul is on the team. So maybe that's a factor as well. If I'm the Lakers, though, my preferred option would be the Suns wave Chris Paul. And then I use the taxpayer bin level at $5 million. I use, and I bring back a bunch of my other guys like Lonnie Walker, players like that, maybe Mo Bamba. Uh, I use my biannual exception at $4.5 million. Best case, I use a veteran minimum because some of Chris Paul's salary is going to be offset with what the Phoenix Suns owe him. So he's not even going to get his, even if you paid him $12 million, he's not getting $12 million. Some of that's going to go to uh, back to the Suns. So if you could get him on like a veteran minimum or something, and then you do something else with D'Lo, you could still bring D'Lo back. You could sign and trade him somewhere else. That's my preferred option if I'm the Lakers. But if push comes to shove, and this is the only way to get him, it's an interesting option. But I think I would still lean, as long as you can get D'Angelo Russell on a reasonable contract to just stick with him, the only way I go with this, with Fisher mentioning D'Lo for Chris Paul sign and trade is if it's very clear that D'Lo wants a contract you are not willing to give him and the Suns are willing to give him that. And then if you're the Lakers, you can preserve that salary slot and have clean books moving forward by changing D'Angelo Russell into Chris Paul. That's the only scenario I can see where it makes sense to do that swap. Otherwise, I think you can get more bang for your buck by going another way. Now, to get to Charles Scott's question here, talk about how Chris Paul could keep AD engaged the entire game. 
So one of the problems the Lakers have had this past season, it was getting Anthony Davis the basketball. Some of that is on the coaching staff. Some of that is on Anthony Davis, who I thought wasn't always demonstrative enough or aggressive enough in terms of getting open. And you didn't see enough of, of the kind of give me the ball mentality from AD. Give me the ball and get the F out of my way because I'm going, because I'm better than the guy that's across from me and I'm going to take it to him. Every once in a while we saw that. I don't think we saw enough of that. But part of it, again, part of it's on the coaching staff for not scheming ways to get on the ball. Part of it is on AD, but also part of it is on the Lakers passers. How many times did we see Dennis Schroeder struggle to sh throw an entry pass? Even D'Lo. The, the post-entry pass, and part of this is a change in NBA defenses, but in some ways it's kind of a lost art, right? Like, the NBA game has changed so much. You don't see post-play like you used to. Back in the day, you watch the Lake, go watch the Lakers play in 02, in 01. Most trips down the floor, it's dribble up, pass to the wing, wing makes an entry pass into Shaq, he goes to work, right? And then if he gets swarmed, he kicks out, and everything plays off of that. Well, when that's your play style, everybody has to be really damn good at post-entry passes. Because if you're not, you're not going to be on the floor because that's your offense. So you're not going to be on the floor if you can't throw a good entry pass. Now, you don't see guys posting up back to the basket nearly as much. Rules have changed. It's easier to deny that pass now. And so I think the, the skill, the art of that entry pass has faded. Well, Chris Paul, if we want to talk, look, there's negatives we can discuss with him too when we talk about his availability, his age, the defense, all kinds of things. But one of the things that he's really good at it's passing the basketball. And if anybody can throw it post-entry pass in today's NBA, it's Chris Paul. So could Chris Paul get the ball to Anthony Davis in situations where Dennis Schroeder could not? D'Lo could not. I think it's reasonable to say yes. And so in that way, yeah, I think Chris Paul and Anthony Davis could team up pretty well and could be a good pairing to keep AD engaged. So Charles, I think you make a good point there. And I think that is a something in the plus column for going and getting Chris Paul. It's what would it mean for Anthony Davis? And it could mean good things, I think. We're going to pause for just a moment to talk about game time. Ticket buying can be a very stressful experience. Personally, I am always trying to make sure that I'm getting the best deal. And that's not always easy to know. You have to go fully through the checkout process. Sometimes one app will say one thing. Another app won't give you the final price until the end. It is a nightmare. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time, you have some friends that want to go do something, grab tickets on game time. Game time, the guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their best price game time guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You even get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect. 
when you arrive. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for $20 off. Download Game Time today. We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. They are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, an expression of your personality. They're more than meets the eye, but also, therefore, the athletes. Do you run? Do you golf? Do you train? You want to look like your favorite athlete? Guys like Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, Aaron Jones, the backbone of my dynasty team, Justin Jefferson? Well, then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today personally i love the holbrook sunglasses just a very classic look and comfortable fit for wearing around town every single day and Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want more? No more? I know you do. So head over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Uh, Julian Rojas said, there aren't many options available that are a better fit than D'Lo anyway, unless you're certain you can get Fred Van Bleet, and I wouldn't move D'Lo until the trade deadline if he's underperforming during the season. Yeah, so that's the other thing. As long as you can get D'Lo on... I don't know, maybe team-friendly is too far, but on a reasonable contract, you could always move him post-December 15th, right? When players who just signed contracts this past summer become trade eligible, you could move him down the road. You could trade him later on. That's certainly possible. But when you talk about there aren't many options um, that are better fits, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you look at the free agent market. There's not a lot. It's not a lot. In fact, here, let me let me pull this up for everybody so you can see what I'm what I'm talking about here. Okay, so I'm going to share this, share my screen here so everybody can see. I'm over on Spot Track right now, which uh, my good buddy Keith Smith from the front office show, he put this whole thing together. Um, and you can see right now who's out there in free agency. What options are out there? Kyrie, too expensive. Uh, and the Mavs have already said they're not going to do a sign-and-trade for D'Lo. Fred Van Vliet. Okay, I'm interested. I'm interested. If it's a double sign-and-trade, you trigger a hard cap. How much are you willing to pay him? How many years does he want? But if I'm the Lakers, I'm at least listening. Then it's D'Lo, and then the cliff falls off. Patrick Beverly. Nope, done that. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not doing that. Dennis Schroeder? Sure, I'd love to see Dennis back. For the right price. For the right price. But is he your locked-in starter? No. I've said it for years. If Dennis is your backup, you feel pretty good. If Dennis is your starter, you probably are wanting somebody that can do a little bit more. And I like Dennis a lot. Gabe Vincent? Okay. All right. That's a name. I'd be interested there. But what can you get him for? Are you swapping out D'Lo for Gabe Vincent? Maybe you are. That, that's a name. That's that's one that's out there. 
Javon Carter, Trey Jones, who I, I like Trey Jones. Javon Carter, I like a lot, but he's not taking over your starting job. Javon Carter would be a great fit off the bench. Like if the Lakers lose Dennis Schroeder, I would love to see them get Javon Carter, a three and D point guard. Yes, please sign me up. He'd be a wonderful fit, but yeah, he's not, he's not going to take over your starting job. So in terms of free agency, who's really out there? Not a lot, not a lot. And then on the trade market, who's really out there to get that's a point guard that can come in to handle the ball for you? Not a lot. No, instead, I think if you're going to trade Dennis Schroeder, I'm sorry, if you're going to trade D'Angelo Russell, there's not many guys you can look to really flip him for. And even if you do flip him, let's say you, you try to, to go replace him in free agency. If you decide you're just going to let him walk away, that's not easy to do either. Some of the guys I would look at trading him for. Fred Van Vliet is certainly one of them. He was absolutely a guy that I would look at if I'm the Lakers. I do wonder if you go across positions. We're so focused on, okay, there's a ball handling guard, an initiator going out in D'Lo. We need to replace that with something, with the same thing. What if you go cross position? What if you rely on Austin to be more of a ball handler for you? What if you do something like that? Could you target DeMar DeRozan? He's making $28 million on an expiring contract. The Bulls could use some help at the point guard position. The Bulls are primed to make some big changes this summer. Could you target DeMar DeRozan? What does it cost to turn D'Angelo Russell into DeMar DeRozan? If it's the 17th pick, I'm not interested. I think it's a little bit too much to pay. I like who's going to be there at 17, potentially. But what if it's a couple of second rounders? And D'Lo for DeMar, whose contract, again, expires. And you have that flexibility moving forward. Now he's 34 years old. That's that's a factor, right? So you have to consider that too. Maybe you don't have to give up two seconds with him. But DeRozan, maybe, maybe. That's a name that's out there. Fred Van Vliet, maybe that's a target. Chris Paul, we talked about that one. But the Lakers are going to explore all these options. They're going to figure out what's going to work best. But it seems like all of them are there's some question marks that come with them. I don't know if the home run sign and trade move for D'Angelo Russell is there, particularly with how he played in the Western Conference Finals. I don't know if that's there. So the Lakers' best bet may ultimately be if it's too expensive to turn him into, into DeMar, if it's too expensive to turn him into Fred Van Vliet, if it just doesn't make sense to turn him into Chris Paul, your best option might just be to bring D'Lo back as long as you can get a reasonable deal. Uh, Vector Nova said, have you seen Dan Wojcik's tweet about the Lakers holding workouts with first-round talents, but they haven't disclosed their names? Yeah, that's, that's pretty standard. Um, you'll see the Lakers, you'll get a list of players, right? Just about every day. The Lakers are working out these five guys, these six guys, whatever. Um, teams, and I've had people message me and say, why are the Lakers working out guys that aren't going to be there where they're picking? Because this is your chance. This is your chance to talk to these guys. Once they're under contract with another team, you can't talk to them anymore. So even if you don't think there's a chance you're going to draft this player, you bring them in for a work workout, you chat them up, you find out what makes them tick, because who knows, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, down the road, a trade opportunity might show up. And next thing you know, or free agency. And next thing you know, you've got an opportunity to get that player. And because you brought them in for a workout, you already have something of a relationship that
that you can build upon. You know him, he knows you. That's important. And so this pre-draft process isn't just about bringing a guy in to see how well he shoots in an empty gym. It's not just about bringing a guy in to see what their stamina is in a workout. It's also about finding out a little bit about the person and making that connection. And so that's why you see the Lakers bring in so many players. You should do that. Bring in as many players as you can. Find out everything you can while you can. Because once they sign with another team, that's shut off. Um, as far as not disclosing their names, yeah. Because look, the Lakers at 17, it would be different if you have the two pick and you bring in Scoot, you bring in Miller, and that's who you're looking at. Because everybody knows. Everybody knows that's where it's at, right? You bring in, Maybe you bring in the Thompson Twins and some guys like that. But everybody knows who you're going to be looking at. By 17, though, the draft very likely won't be chalk at that point. And so you don't want teams to get wind of who it is that you really want. Let's say it's Derek Lively that's going to be there at 17. The Lakers figure that out. You don't want some team to figure out that that's who you're going to take. You don't want them to know that you've brought in a guy for two workouts or something. You don't want that. Because then what's going to happen is somebody's going to jump ahead of you and take him before you can get him. Or somebody ahead of you is going to take him and then hold him for ransom. Right? They're going to say, hey, we're taking your guy. What will you give us to move up a couple slots? The uh, 76ers did that with uh, the Orlando Magic years ago. You don't want teams to know who it is that you want. And so when we're looking at these workouts they're doing, look, when we're talking about the 47th pick, there's 100 guys you could take there, right? And so you bring in a bunch of guys for workouts. That's not clear who it is you're really looking at. But when you're talking about bringing in these guys for 17, where you really want to get one-on-one with them, and you're bringing in Lively, and you're bringing in um, Jet Howard, you're bringing in Jordan Hawkins, you're bringing in Kobe Bufkin, you're bringing in all these guys, you don't want other teams to know that you're bringing them in. You don't want other teams to know that you've worked these guys out multiple times. And by the way, um, this is also the time of year when we're starting to see players pull out of workouts because they've gotten a promise somewhere. So that's always something to keep an eye on. Like I was really hoping Case and Wallace would drop for the Lakers. Well, he pulled out of his workout with the Hawks at 15. So obviously he's not going to make it to 17 for the Lakers. Somebody promised him earlier than that is what it sounds like. So you got to be careful with that too. But it makes sense that the Lakers would not make it public when they're working out guys that they want to take potentially with 17. All right. Gray Raj said, Bees, Shaq, 17 for Turner. Okay. So Beasley, Shaq, and 17 for Turner. I don't think the Pacers do that. I think they would need more to trade Turner. Turner's on a great contract now that they signed him to this new deal. I don't think they do that. Uh, Bamba and four seconds for Caruso. Do the Bulls do that? They might. They might. How much longer does Caruso's deal? I want to say it's two years left on it. Coming season and one more. Yep, I'm right. Nine and a half million, 9.9 million. So you're clearing one year of Alex Caruso off the books. He's 29. He's going to be 30 in February. So you would have him for his age 
29 season and you have him for his age 30 season, he'd be 31 at the expiration of the contract. Four seconds is a lot. I mean, you gave up three to get Rui. If I'm the Lakers and I can get that for three seconds, I'm probably doing it. Four is a lot. But Caruso is also a uh, all-defensive team player, and I think he'd be a great fit. So that piece of it, if I could get that, yeah, I I'd be interested. Now, the other piece, I just don't see Indiana doing that. Turner's on too good of a contract. They're trying to win right now. It would take more. I think it'll take more than the Lakers are willing to pay to get Turner. But the second bit, yeah, I I'd be down for that. Greg Pollard, pick swap trade idea. Trade Beasley, 17 to the Pacers for Heald and 26. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's that seems like a pretty obvious one. And I wouldn't hate it, but it's the kind of thing that you, um, you don't want to do. You don't want to do until draft night. I'm trying to think of a scenario where I would do it before draft night, but you don't want to do that until you know who's there at 17. Because I'm looking at things saying, if Jordan Hawkins is there, I'm not doing it. If Bufkin is there, I'm not doing it. Certain guys have to be gone for me to do that. So I'm waiting for draft night to do that. And I can arrange it ahead of time and tell the Pacers, hey, look, we'll do this if if this is possible. Then we'll, then we'll do this. But I wouldn't hate it. Now, you are taking on some salary that might limit your ability to use your mid-level exception which is something to consider too. There's some opportunity cost here because you're taking on, look, Beasley, I don't think he's back at 16.5 million. So if you turn Beasley 16.5 million into 20 from Heald, and that's definitely on your books, that depending on what happens with D'Lo and some other pieces, that could impact your ability to use your full mid-level. So you got to factor that in too, but I'm open to it. But only if the guys that you really like in that tier are gone at 17. All right, let's see what else we've got here. We'll do a few more before I got to run. Here's another Bomba in four seconds for Caruso. Io DeSumo as well as a future guard. I like Io. He'd be interesting. Um, Miguel Zambrano. Hey, Trevin, your ideal offseason. You mentioned not having an ideal pick, pick at 47. I'm high in Seth Lundy and Keontae Johnson. Any thoughts? Um, I'll be honest. I haven't gotten that deep into my draft. I've been mostly focused on 17 and who's going to be there. Um, I can turn that one to Sean. I know Sean is deeper into his draft prep. I'm still, again, I'm about to the end of the first round at this point in terms of who I'm looking at. Hopefully this weekend, I'll get through the second round. So I don't want to tell you something. on anything. I don't want to make something up, tell you, oh, I know a ton about these guys. Um, I don't. During the season, I spent all my time watching NBA. I don't have time. Uh, for college and all that kind of stuff. And then I play catch up as we get closer to the draft. And I can do a decent job just breaking down what a player is, what they're not, what, all that kind of stuff. But it's not like I'm watching every single game of theirs. There's guys who do that that stuff. Um, so I don't want to tell you that I can, that, oh, this is a great pick for the Lakers or something like that at 47. I'm much more comfortable looking at the guys at 17 because that's where I focused most of my research on. But I am going to start progressing towards that second round pick and see what what's what there. Uh, Senpai said Beasley, Bamba, Max, and 17 for Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. works money-wise. If it meant getting them both, maybe you need to throw in some seconds. Would you do it? 
Beasley, Bamba, Max in 17. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to. I think you have to. You're talking about two, at least one starter, maybe two. Both definite rotation players. I think you have to. I think you have to do that. And then maybe you can sign and trade uh, D'Lo in a different deal. Maybe you just have to let D'Lo walk. And a lot of it depends, too, on what's Fred Van Vliet doing. Is he really opting into his contract? Does he, do you have to sign him to a new deal? Same question for Gary Trent Jr. Um, but if they're opting into their contract, sure. Yeah, I, I think I would have to do it. I think I'd have to do that. Again, you're getting two key rotation players right there. At least one starter, maybe two. Ali said, if LeBron's going to opt out next year, why not trade him this summer? Trade him to the Warriors for Poole and Wiggins. Reeves, Poole, Wiggins, Rui, AD. They're not going to trade him. LeBron would have to go to the Lakers and say, please trade me for them to trade him. It's just a bad look, right? Not only can you argue that it's not going to help you win this year or next year, uh, but assuming LeBron stays on next year, which he may not, but it's just a bad look when a guy's committed, a superstar is committed. The Lakers have presented themselves, built up this image as a superstar friendly franchise. Not a great look to go and move him if he doesn't want to be traded. Now, if he wants to be traded, okay, that's a different story. Beyond that, Jordan Poole, like, is Jordan Poole even a positive value on his contract? I'd say no, based on the way he's been playing. He was one of the Lakers' best players during that second round series. I wouldn't be moving him or trading for him. Now, I like Wiggins, but if I'm the, this isn't enough. Like, beyond just on the court. On the court, it's not enough for me. It's not enough. But off the court, my God. I mean, what if this is, what if LeBron says, this is it, this is my last year and I'm going to retire? Think about the financial implications of turning LeBron James, the guy everybody tunes in to watch, into Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. What happens to your ticket prices? What happens to your viewership? Right? Look, Lakers Nation is strong. Lakers fans are going to stick around, all of that. But internationally, Around the country, the casual fans, the non-Lakers fans, they're not going to tune in for the Lakers nearly as much. They're not going to spend nearly as much on Lakers merchandise. You're talking about a massive financial hit if you're the Lakers and you do this move. And that's on top of, I don't think this is enough to do it on the floor. So I get the idea. You don't want to let them walk away for nothing. You'd rather turn them into something and all of that, but it's just not enough. Uh, could Scottie Pippen Jr. be a possible shooter replacement for cheap? I don't think he's ready yet. I don't think he's ready. And maybe we'll see differently in summer league this year. Obviously, Scotty Pippen Jr., Cole Swider, Max Christie, guys to keep an eye on, whoever the Lakers get at 17, assuming they keep their pick, 47 as well. All guys to keep your eye on. But I didn't see a lot of Scotty Pippen defensively that made me think he could be the next Schroeder. Um, and maybe that changes. He's young. He's got time. But I think that assuming a guy can go from a two-way contract to an every-night backup rotation player for you that's a big leap that's a big leap 23 first and beasley to the pistons for bogdanovich will the pistons do that they've been talking about wanting to win now so that might not be enough to get it done but you got to consider it if it's there you got to consider it i still am so wary of giving up that 17th overall pick i think there's going to be some talent there so it depends on who's still sitting there because Bogdanovich, look, he's going to be 34. He had a great season. I'm not expecting him to just fall off a cliff, but his best days are going to be behind him. right? That, that's just a fact. But nonetheless, 
it's something you got to consider because he'd be such a great fit on the wing for the Lakers. Does the new CBA hurt pick swaps that already happened? That already happened. So like trades the Lakers already made, can it make them hurt more? Sure. Yeah. Um, if I think one of the side effects of the new CBA is first round picks are going to become more valuable to teams in trade. So when we look at, okay, the Lakers already traded away their 2027 first, their 2024 or 2025 first are gone. So that makes it a little bit more painful that you're losing those picks. So yeah, um, it can hurt in, in that situation. It can. And I'm not a huge fan of the CBA. I read Eric Pincus had a piece on why it's really not that bad. And I agree with some of what he said, but Overall, I still feels like feel like the NBA went too far. It went too far, and it could present some problems. And we'll see if that's correct or not. But I think they went really, really far. And my concern is that teams who draft well are going to be punished for drafting well by having to split up their teams. I would like to see some sort of protection in there to allow teams to retain their own guys that they draft. That that would be my preference. All right. We're going to do one more. I'll save the, the rest for our next show. But King of Jokers Entertainment said, Beasley, Vando, and 17 for Turner. Oh, boy. I like Vando a lot. He's a phenomenal value. Less than $5 million next season. If that's what it takes to get it done, though, I'd probably do it. I probably do it, but I'm a believer in Turner's fit next to Anthony Davis. Not everybody in the Lakers front office agrees with me on that. There are people in the Lakers front office who reportedly do not think Turner is a good fit long-term next to AD. And maybe it's injury concerns. Maybe it's just in terms of their, their ability to play together. I'm intrigued by the fit of the two of them together. Not everybody is. And so I don't know if the Lakers do this. I don't know if the Lakers are going to pursue Turner, period. If you've got part of your front office thinking he just doesn't fit next to AD, it doesn't seem like a guy you're going to target. If it's me, and the Pacers say, well, this will be enough, we'll do it, which is probably not accurate. I think the Pacers want to win right now. I think you'd have to blow them away with an offer. I think especially if it's the Lakers, they would have to blow them away with an offer. But if the Pacers were willing to do this, I think I'd probably do it. And I don't want to see Vando go. I like Vando a lot. I don't want to see the 17th pick go. But man, Miles Turner and AD together could be an absolutely hellacious defensive pairing. All right. I am going to do my next ideal offseason. I'm going to get that done tonight. So look for that sometime tomorrow on Saturday. I'll do a very trade-heavy ideal offseason. So that video is going to be out on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. But I'm glad we got to talk so much trade. Appreciate all of you for coming in here and joining me on this Friday afternoon. Hope you guys all have a fantastic weekend. Again, thank you for joining me here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Subscribe, turn on those notifications as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.